Welcome to the Wellspring Church podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Wonderful good morning. I'm not going to respond to that. If I do, I will cry. But bless you. Wonderful. Thank you. It is a Wonderful, wonderful joy to be with you. It's great to see you all in second service. You clearly heard the ice cream was here, right? So, and it's good. I had some ice cream after the first service. It's marvelous. Uh, so please make sure you get one. It is really, really good. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you. Happy Father's Day for all of you that is relevant too. And I pray that the Lord will bless you. I, I think, you know, as a dad, I have to say the house that I live in, it feels like every day's Father's Day, really, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm very well looked after and, uh, and it's nice to celebrate. But I hope, I hope dads, you're well blessed today in whatever happens. And so it's my joy today to share the word of God for a few moments. Now, I'm not sort of specifically speaking to fathers today, but I want to speak about the love of the Father. I want to speak. I think this is a great opportunity for us to lean into magnificent truths, which many of you in the room will sort of know you've got this, but I think we still need to be reminded of. And if you're a guest with us and you are maybe here for the first time, or you are searching, you're looking, you're, you're probing for some spiritual fulfillment, then these sorts of ideas, I think, are at the heart of all human desire. And they are at the heart of genuine human fulfillment as well. So if you are searching for that, then, then please, please uh, let me encourage you to lean in for a few moments. So I'm going to read a beautiful part, part of the Bible uh, from 1 John chapter 4. Now it'll probably come up on the screen, but if you do have a Bible to hand on your iPad or your phone, or even one with pages like mine, then uh, why don't you grab it and follow it with me? And, uh, and I want to speak this morning on fear's greatest fear. Okay, if fear could have a fear, what would it be? So here we go, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beautiful words, and it says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how we, he showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence 
on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, well, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Wow. If fear could have a fear, it would be that we discover the love of God. And when it comes to our relationship with the Father, the answer to fear is not courage. The answer to fear is love. Now, this is a deeply important idea for us. There are some situations where when you're afraid, the answer is courage. Be strong. Be courageous. Keep going. All right? But actually, when John is talking about the power of the love of the Father in our world, he sees the enemy of fear coming into our world, and he says, the answer to that fear is not courage. The answer to that fear is not the strength of my personality type. The answer to that fear is not simply trying harder, but the answer to that fear is knowing I am loved. And knowing I am loved by the Father. Let's, let's remind ourselves of John's words. He says this, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So, so when it comes to our relationship with the Father, the love that he has for us, understanding that love, living in that love, receiving that love, is the perfect weapon against fear. In fact, it's the only weapon against fear. And, and it's the only weapon, let me say this, that fear, forgive me if I'm sort of giving fear a personality, but it's the only weapon that fear truly cannot fight against. Because love is a powerful and dynamic idea. And here's the thing that we need to remember this morning. I know you know this. Many of you will know this. But let me remind you of an incredible truth. You are loved by God. Full stop. Now what we as humans add in are the T's and C's. You're loved by God if... You're loved by God when. You're loved by God but. You're loved by God and. But no, no, it, that's, that's wrong. That's taking us in the wrong direction. That's where fear wants you to go. Fear wants to drag you to the T's and C's that don't exist. He wants to take you to the if, the but, the and. And he wants to say to you, yeah, you are loved, but. You are loved if. You are loved when. 
you are loved. And then there's an, an addition to that. And that somehow plays to our greatest fears because humans are very vulnerable to the idea of what I call a sort of a transactional spirituality. It's a spirituality that says, if I do this, God will do that. All right? Now, religion makes a fortune out of people on this. Seriously. I, I'm being serious. All religions make a pure fortune out of that fear. The fear that I just need to do a little bit more and God will love me. I just need to pray a little bit more and God will hear me. I just need to work a little bit harder and God will give my children that job they've always wanted. I just need to, I just need to, I, and actually uh, that's the language of fear. That's not the language of love. The language of love says, no, 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 you are loved. Full stop. No T's and C's. No ifs or buts or ands. No extras because that's where fear wants to take you. And the minute we step beyond the full stop, the minute we step beyond the, that, that period moment, the next we step into the world of fear, fear starts to take control of us. And fear says, actually, yes, you are love, but deep down we all know. I remember the first time I saw my daughter. My daughter's now 30 years of age. She has a daughter of her own. Uh, she's our family pastor at church. It's a great joy to sit in the church and be served uh, and serve your daughter. And, and my daughter's sort of part of the leadership team there. What a, what a blessing that is. You know, you, you have terrible moments as a dad where you make mistakes and fall flat on your face. And then somehow by the grace of God, God rescues you and helps you. And somehow your kids sort of make it. Um, and and so, so she's serving us as, as the family pastor. But I remember seeing her for the first time. We were in America. Uh, Dawn and I were over there. A little bit of holiday, a little bit of ministry. And Dawn took food poisoning. Now, uh, you know, ordinarily you just sort of weather that storm. The complication was Dawn was pregnant. And she was pregnant with our firstborn. Uh, and we had a wee bit of difficulty with previous pregnancies. There was a little bit of nervousness uh, around that. And so Dawn was rushed into hospital. She was quite poorly. And I thank God I had insurance in America. Don't go to America without health insurance, ladies and gentlemen. Please, let me encourage you. Uh, faith is one thing. Stupidity is another. And make sure you have the health insurance locked down. And we're just, just clicking over. My goodness, the bill was enormous for what happened that day, but the insurance covered it. But, but we, we were in there, and, and, uh, and so after they treated Don and got her stabilized, they called me in, and they were doing an ultrasound. And Elena, our oldest daughter, was about 14 or 15 weeks old at this stage. Now, Donna told me she was pregnant. And as a man, I went, great. Yeah, that's lovely. You know, like you're excited and a bit fearful. It's all wonderful and yet it's frightening, you know. But somehow I felt, please forgive me if this offends you, especially ladies in the room. I felt a bit detached. All right, I, I know what being pregnant meant, but somehow I wasn't really like connected to the process yet. I know it was there at the start, um, but, but I wasn't really connected to the process. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm sort of there, but I'm not there sort of thing. Um, and so we, we're, we're sort of just getting on with it. Called into this ultrasound and, and there I see this person on the screen. And everything changed. Everything changed. Suddenly, I saw a person I had helped to make. One of the most amazing things I've ever been part of. 
And, and there she was, moving around on the screen, doing, doing stuff. Uh, and, and just like trying to avoid the, the scandal, the ultrasound thing. It was like a game going on. It was absolutely amazing. And something inside me changed. And here's what I want to say to you. I know this illustration might be uncomfortable for some people or even painful. So please forgive me for that. But I, I use this illustration to say this. I loved that child at that moment. And yet, and yet she hadn't done anything. She hadn't even been born at this stage. She hadn't become, you know, a, a brain surgeon or a doctor or a nurse or a family pastor or the person who finds the cure for cancer. She was just, she was just a human that we had helped make. And suddenly something went off in me that helped me in a pale sort of revelatory way understand the love of the Father. That the Father loves us not because of anything we do, but because we are His. And because He is love. And, and, and the Bible says that for those who believed in His name, He gave the right to be called children of God. Not born of natural descent or even the will of a husband, but born of the will of God. And there was this child on a screen and I loved her. I hadn't met her yet. Didn't even know what she would be like. But something from the depths of my being as a man came alive when I saw that human on the screen and I loved her. I still love her. But the love I had for her had nothing to do with what she had done. The love I had for her was to do with the fact she was mine. Yeah. 7.8 billion people on the planet right now. Only three of them, I can say, are mine. <laughs> yeah, some of you are really glad about that. I can see that. But you know what I mean? There's only three people on this planet can call me Father. Because they're mine. Because I'm theirs. And that's an unbreakable truth. That's what John means by the love of God. You are his and he is yours. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is an unbreakable truth. <laughs> In your worst days, you're still his. In your best days, you're no more his. In our worst days, we're still children. And in our best days, we're still children. And he still loves us. And, and the, the enemy knows, the devil knows, if I can use that, that language, uh, if you're a guest, don't be offended or worried about that. But, but we believe there's a spiritual war over our lives. The enemy of our soul wants to rip that truth away from you and wants you to not understand that you are loved, full stop. He wants you to uh, not understand that you are his. He wants you to not understand that because you're his, he is yours. Yes. And whatever happens, hell or high water, as far as life is concerned, you are his and he is yours. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the game-changing truth. That's the truth that can revolutionize our lives. Absolutely. And at one level, intellectually, it's a sort of a simple idea, but it's got a, it's got a drop from the brain and somehow it's got to become a living truth within us. When it becomes a living truth, everything changes. 
everything changes. And I've met so many beautiful followers of Jesus who've got that in their brain, but not in their heart. So if I said to them, do you know you're loved? They'd go, yeah, absolutely. But yet we live with the T's and C's. We live, yeah, I am loved, but. And the, the devil wants you to live in the but. The and, the if, the maybe. But God wants you to live in the full stop. Because that's where fear loses its power. You with me? Is that okay? Does that make sense to you? So why is fear, why is love fear's greatest fear? Why does Paul pray that the, the church at Ephesus will be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that love that surpasses knowledge? Why is this such an important idea for us? Even though it seems really, really simple and it feels like the sort of stuff that yeah, we, we sort of say to kids in Sunday school or in children's church, but this is, this is adult stuff too. This is for all of us. Why is this so powerful? Why is love fear's greatest fear? Number one, love is a peacemaker. This is why it's so powerful, why fear hates it, why fear fears love. Why? Because it's a peacemaker. Look at what it says in our, our verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out the fear. There's a lovely play in the way John constructs this sentence. The word for fear here could be translated terror. Now, it's a context-sensitive word, so it can mean slightly different things in slightly different contexts. But, but in this sense, it means terror. It means even the idea that you're so terrified, you're so afraid, that it drives you, it, it pushes you, it, it uh, harasses you, it sends you away. To, to use an, an analogy many of us will understand, it's like you're being bullied by the fear. I don't know if you've ever experienced the power of a bully, but if you've ever had that in your world, it's a terrifying experience. And, and, and suddenly uh, there, there's a person or a presence or a thing that is pushing you. It is harassing you to the point that you don't want to do certain things. I grew up in Belfast, as you can probably tell from my accent. And I am a certain age that I literally grew up through the whole of the Troubles. So the Troubles in Northern Ireland, if people of a certain age don't know what the Troubles were, you can Google that. There's a whole series of programs on YouTube you can watch. Um, there's a, a program on iPlayer at the moment, Once Upon a Time in Northern Ireland. A uh, bit strong language, but it's, it's worth a watch if you don't know what I'm talking about. And I grew up in the Troubles, broke out in 1969. And Protestant communities and Catholic communities ended up in war. And our little house in Belfast was right on a peace line. Now, peace line in Belfast was an oxymoron. There was no, nothing peaceful about this peace line. It was a very, uh, very violent and controversial peace line. But that's where I grew up. And, uh, and, and it was a, an interesting time, not just because of, of the sort of the terrorism generally, but also because of what it was doing to people. And there were places you couldn't go. Absolutely. <laughs> Let me just do that again. There are places you couldn't go. Okay. Marvelous. That's a cool ringtone. I hope it was worth it. Okay. Come on. All right. So there are places literally you couldn't go. No go areas because of the troubles, because of terror, because of the threat of a bomb or shooting or whatever. 
And uh, not only was it the threat across the community, but it produced some nastiness inside our community. And, and where I lived, there were some, you know, there are, there are boys and girls that do bad things. And then there seem to be people who are sort of bad. Like they enjoy doing bad things. They're not just naughty, but they cross a line. And, and there was a, a young man lived just a stone's throw. Sorry, that's a bad analogy. Uh, there's a, a young man that just lived across the road from our home in Belfast. And he was five years older than me, and he was pretty nasty. He was enjoying the troubles. He was from a Protestant background, hated Roman Catholics. In fact, he ended up in jail for killing two Roman Catholics, and he just lived across the road from me. But he sort of liked to practice his terror on the younger boys in the community. And one day, uh, he wanted to practice his terror on me. So he grabbed a hold of me, just randomly, we were playing football, he grabbed a hold of me and he started to beat me up, and he, he really was good at beating people up, um, and I was getting my pan kicked in by this boy, literally kicked and punched, and I really couldn't defend myself, he was big, he was strong, but one of my friends fortunately ran to my home, which was just, just up the road, and he banged on the door, and my mom came to the door, Mrs. Andrews, uh, so-and-so is beating the life out of your John. Well, my mother was four foot 11, but what she lacked in stature, she made up for in aggression and passion. And uh, this little four foot 11 Irish woman went running out of the house, penny, penny on, the whole thing going on, doing some cooking, ran down the street and just launched herself onto this boy. Now, what she did to him, she'd probably go to jail for today. But it was Belfast, it was game, we were game for everything, you know. If you were up for it, she was up for it. So she, she, she whacked into him seriously hard. I mean, I saw my mother, she pulled me off him and she started to beat on this boy seriously. He didn't know which end of him was up. And of course, he realizes it's a woman and he doesn't know, should I hit a woman? Should I not hit a woman? She seems to be hitting me really hard. If I hit her, she'll hit me back. It's all going on. She, it got to the stage where he, she was beating him up so much that he broke free from her grip and ran from her. But he didn't know where to run. He got completely confused. And I'll never forget this till the day I die. This big, hard man, uh, this, this big, beefy boy, so afraid of my little four-foot-eleven mother that he crawled under a car. <laughs> under a car, right? And then, this is the image I'll never forget. I wish I had an iPhone to video this. It would have went viral. It would have went viral on, on Instagram. My mother, four foot 11, gets on her hands and knees and is trying to get a hold of them. It's like, she's like a tigress clawing at this boy. It's like the adrenaline's just kicked in. She's gone. She is absolutely monstering this boy. And he's screaming, get my daddy, get my daddy. And it's all kicking off. Incredible. Love for her youngest boy caused her to take the bully of fear on and drive him away. Now listen, I was able to walk down that street. <laughs> this is absolutely true. People would say in Belfast, I'll get my daddy for you. I went, I'll get my mommy for you. <laughs> we know where you live. Come on, come on. She... Her love for me drove away the fear. That's, that's what John's playing on here. He says, terror will create a no-go area. Terror creates the bully. But here's what love does. Love becomes the tenacious 
love of that mother, the tenacious love of a father that literally grabs the bully by the scruff of the neck and says, get out of this house, get out of this life, get out of this world. It's not even me driving the fear away. It's the love of God driving the fear away. That when I know I am love full stop, that love becomes the driving force that pushes, pushes the terror away. And that's why fear fears love. Because fear can't resist the tenacious passion of love. Fear has no weapons to defend itself against love. And when you know you are loved, full stop, no T's and C's. When you know you are loved by the Father, just the knowledge of that love drives the bully of fear away in terms of your relationship with the Lord, in terms of your relationship with the Father. And that's why fear doesn't want you to know that. Fear's greatest fear is that you live in the knowledge of God's love. That makes sense? Here's the second thing. Fear fears love because love is a confidence giver. So it's a fear bringer, but it's a confidence giver. Look at this. John says, because fear has to do with punishment. Now, this is really, really important for us to understand here that, that actually where fear wants you to live is in a world that if you're not quite up to scratch, your father's going to going to punish you. He's going to whack you. He's going to, he's going to, as it were, make your life miserable and difficult. Now, now does the father discipline his children? He does. There's a very strong conversation about that in the Bible. There's a disciplining of the love, but the disciplining of love is never about punishment. It's never about uh, putting down. It's always about lifting up and restoration and making us into something. In fact, the word discipline is used in the New Testament and in the Old Testament is one of instruction towards. We tend to have a very negative view of discipline in terms of something bad, but biblically, discipline is the instruction towards. It's a lovely idea. So, so, but, but, but that's not what this is. This is the fear of that, that somehow I'm walking a tightrope with the Father. And any minute now, I could fall off that tightrope. And if I do, I've had it. I'm done. And, and the reason people fear punishment from the Father is because we don't know Him. If we know who He is, we know that's not the way He works. Now, this is so, so important. It is a knowledge of Him and His love helps us uh, receive that love, but also helps that love keep at bay the idea that somehow I'm on, I'm on a tightrope. And in any minute now, I could slip off that and boom, I'm kicked into touch. Right? That's not love. Come on now. That's not love. That's fear. That's control. That's manipulation. That's not love. Tim earlier on, prayed, that's a magnificent prayer from Pete Gregg. But Tim earlier on talked about the failures that we have as fathers, the failures that we have as humans. If, if we were on a tightrope, if that's what the love of God was, none of us would be in the room. None of us would have made it. I certainly wouldn't have made it. So if we're motivated by punishment, then we're motivated by fear. But if we understand the love of God, then everything changes. Elena, who I talked about in, in that ultrasound, is now... 30 years of age, but when she was a child growing up, Elena loved to do two things. 
And uh, it's great. As a dad, when you get older and your children get older, these stories become revenge. Uh, you can tell stories to embarrass your children, which is marvelous. Um, and, and Elena, uh, when she was growing up, loved to do two things. So when she, when she went to bed, she generally slept pretty well, but sometimes she woke up during the night and uh, she would come into our bedroom. Now, I don't know if, if married couples are in the room, you have this, but you have a side of the bed. All right, so my side of the bed in, in, the, in, our, in our first house where Elena really grew up was at the door, and Dawn's side of the bed was towards the wall. And so when Elena woke up, um, she knew that if she went to mommy's side of the bed, guess what mommy would do? What would mommy do, do you think? Mommy would put her back to bed. See, see, you've got to learn to stay in your own bed. Dawn would say, come on, darling, you have to sleep in your own bed. This is your bed. You're a big girl now. You have to stay in your own bed. And so she worked it out. If I go to mommy's side of the bed, I will have to go back to bed. But when I stand at daddy's side of the bed, something else happens. And so Elena had big mass of curly hair, and she would stand there at the side of the bed, big, and she would just stand there, wouldn't say a word, and just, just look at me. <laughs> Somehow, telepathically, she woke me up. I don't know what that was, but I'm lying there, and suddenly I would open my eyes, and there's this child with this hair just there. And she didn't say a word, she just stood there. And she used to suck her tongue, so she had to, I could hear a little doing this with her tongue. She would just stand there waiting and I would open my eyes and then I'd, I'd go pull the duvet up and she'd get in and snuggle in. Next morning Dawn would always tell me off, why did you let her in? Don't let her in, she needs to go to bed. I said darling she'll, she'll get to the stage in her life, she won't want to get in our bed, we won't be allowed to have her in our bed. Let her get in bed, she's great to have in bed. She just wants to snuggle with her daddy. Oh John, got to teach her to go back in her bed. But Elena knew that if she stood long enough, because she knew me, she'd get in the bed. The other thing she used to do, and I told this on her wedding day, and uh, I embarrassed her with this, was uh, we, we, used to, we used to back then take a lot of baths. So I, I'm a shower man now. I can't remember the last time I had a bath. So don't get too close to me, but I, I, I can't remember the last time I had one. But I'm a shower man. Back then, I think we put our shower into our house. So we, we started off with a bath. And so baths were right. Wherever Elena was in the house, if you ran the bath, wherever she was as a child, she just started stripping off. <laughs> right? She would literally come up the stairs, like taking her clothes off. Um, and this was why. She would literally stand in, in, the, in the bathroom. And if I was in the bath, she'd just stand there waiting to be welcomed in. She always got in the bath with me. It was like a thing she did. She used to love to sort of rub my back and then she would pretend to shave me and all of this sort of, it was marvelous. Um, absolutely wonderful. Little child. And she knew when, when daddy is running the bath water, bath time, let's get in. Because she knew she would be accepted. You see, knowing the nature of the father, we understand that we are accepted by him. And that, that, let me use the metaphor, that he will pull the duvet back. That he will allow us to climb in the bath with him. Uh, and actually, it's not because we're doing anything special for that. It's simply because we are his. But punishment, the fear of punishment, leaves us uncertain, unsure. How will the father react? What does the father think? Where are we with this? 
So, so fear's greatest fear is love. Why? Because love is a confidence giver. Here's the last idea. Does the band want to come and join me? If you can, if you can do that quietly and discreetly, the band wants to come. Or just a pianist at the moment, I don't know. But whoever's coming, just come as quietly as you can. Here's the last idea, and then we're going to have ice cream. <laughs> After we pray. After we pray. Okay, prayer first, ice cream follows. All right, here we go. Love is a life changer. Look at this. It says, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So there's a play on the idea of perfect here. Perfect love drives out, and the one who fears is not made perfect. This is a theme of John in 1 John 4. And the word perfect there doesn't mean, the word perfect there doesn't mean uh, morally perfect, or it doesn't mean perfection without flaw. All right, so don't go there. The word perfect here means sort of complete. So a way of, a way of describing this word would be mature. It's come to maturity. It's come to completion. It's like when we understand we are loved, there's something of the completion of that idea, that idea that brings us to wholeness, that idea that brings us to maturity, an idea that brings us to freedom because we are, we are growing beyond feelings. We are growing beyond emotion. We are growing beyond even circumstances. And we're growing in to understand that the love of the Father for us isn't dependent on any of those things. It's not dependent on how, what type of a day I'm having. It's not dependent on my circumstances. It's not dependent on my emotions. It's not even dependent on my feelings. It's dependent on who he is. When we move away from those emotions, beyond those T's and C's, and into a place where we understand we are loved, the Bible says that that is bringing us to a completion because we are experiencing the wholeness of the love of the Father. And that love is life-changing and life-giving. That complete love delivers us from competitiveness, all sense. One of the hardest things of being a dad, raising three children, is making sure that all of your children understand they're all loved equally. That there's no favorites. But actually they are loved in different ways because of the people they are and because of the relationship you have with them. There's no competitiveness in this complete love. There's no comparison in this complete love. You don't have to be like the person beside you. You can be free to be the person he has made you in Christ. And in this complete love, there is no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing idea. John says earlier on in his letter, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God because that is what we are a few years ago when I was much 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 younger I loved running and I competed for a club and I was running in our local park my mom and dad rarely got to watch me run because they were busy and we traveled all over the country and running's a bit boring to watch to be honest because you're standing and just waiting for people to come back around. It's just a bit boring. And so my, my dad very rarely came to, to watch me run. But I was running in our local Woodville Park. Three and a half laps of the park. It was a boys race under 15s. 
And I was just having a bad race. I wasn't doing very well. I was, I was around about 30th or 35th in the field because my coach was telling me how badly I was doing in the, in the race. And I should have been doing much better. And I was coming around to the final lap where all the parents were largely congregating. And as I came to start the final lap, I heard a voice. And it was my daddy. Now, he hadn't told me he was coming. In fact, he hadn't said a word. So I assumed he wasn't there. And I heard my daddy shout, come on, son. You can do it. <laughs> come on, son. You can do it. And I heard his voice. And I remember scanning the crowd that was standing there. That sounds like my dad. Where is he? And I couldn't see him. But I heard him. And just knowing he was there was enough. Now, I'd love to tell you I won the race. <laughs> but I went from sort of mid-30s to top 10 in the final lap. So that wasn't bad. Finished about 7th or 8th, I remember. Something like that. But it was down to hearing the voice of the Father. Come on, son. You can do it. One of the greatest challenges the dads in the room for your own children is create a world of peace. The Lord does not call you to build a world of perfection. That's impossible. Get over it. But build a world of peace. A world where your children want to be. If you're a dad in the room, you're called to build a world of confidence where your children... They know they're accepted whether they have good exam results or not. Whether they're top of the class or bottom of the class, whether they're brilliant or average according to somebody's standard. They need to know there's a place, dads. Dads, they need to know there's a place. <laughs> Where they are simply accepted and loved. And dads, you are called to build a place of life. A place where life lives, where life breathes, where life grows. We have a granddaughter now, Abigail, and Abigail loves coming to our home. She loves it. Every day she asks her mum, can I see Nana? Can I go to Nana's house? She has her own little room she has her own routine. She spent a whole week with us this week. She loves. And, I, and it's not because our house is any better than anybody else's house. I think it's because it's a place of peace. I think it's because we love Abigail. I think it's because there's life there. Dads, that's all you're being asked to do. Not to be super dad. Not to be perfect dad. Just to be a dad that creates those sorts of places in your world. Because that's, that's the world our heavenly dad creates in his love. A place of peace. A place of confidence. A place of life. When that exists, fear leaves the room. Because fear cannot live 
in the same house as love like that. Why don't you stand with me if you can? Ladies and gentlemen, whoever you are, wherever you're from, you are loved. Full stop. No T's and C's. No ifs or buts or ands. You're loved. And fear doesn't want you to know that truth. Fear wants to convince you that you're not loved, full stop. Fear wants to convince you you're loved when and if and but and and. But coming to a knowledge that you are loved because he is love. You're loved because you are his. You are loved because he is yours. Drives fear away. And so Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. That each of us will have a fresh revelation of our loveness. That we are loved with an everlasting love. That your loving kindness reaches to the heavens and your faithfulness to the skies. That our names are tattooed on the palm of your heart. And that even if our mother and father forsake us, you will receive us. That you are a father who will never abandon the works of his hands. That you are a father who has lavished us with a love that is eternal. And Lord, I pray in the noisy, helter-skelter, driven world in which we live, I pray that we will have each of us a fresh revelation of how much you love us, of how deeply you love us, of how purely you love us and of how relentlessly you love us. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that the, the truth of the knowledge of that love will drive away all fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9am and 11am in person and online.